the Lord over every person, every nation, every circumstance, every situation, everything that we face. You are the Lord of all. I want to thank you that because you're the Lord of all, we don't have to fear. We don't have to worry. We don't have to strive and try and do things on our own, but we can trust in you. We can rely on you. We can let you carry us, knowing that everything is in your hands. Knowing that you love us and you're faithful and you're steadfast and you will never let us down. God, we declare that you are the Lord here today. You are the Lord over this time together. And we just pray, God, that you would move as you want to in this time together. That your spirit would be on the move. That you would speak into each and every one of our hearts and lives as you want to this morning. We just want to hand this time over to you. And say, come and have your way. Speak your word, your truth, with your power, by your spirit. That we may encounter you and be changed because of it. In Jesus' name, Lord. Amen. Amen. Fantastic. Thank you, guys. That's great. Mm. Mm. I don't know um, how many of you tend to bother to watch adverts these days on TV with all the different abilities we've got with catch-up and fast-forward and rewind and pause and all the rest of it. This uh, really seems to, to be needed, doesn't it? Um, Rosie and I, uh, if we're going to watch TV, will always be either a DVD or something on Netflix. And so adverts is rarely something... Uh, that we, we come across. But one of the things that I'm always struck with when I, um, when I see an advert is uh, they rarely have much to do with the products that they're advertising, do they? I don't know if, you, if you've noticed that particularly. The advert rarely tries to, to sell you the, the product. Instead, they try and sell you an image of what you could look like. Or they sell you a dream of the way your life could be. And then they essentially say, if you want to look like this, if you want your life to be like this, then you need this product, whatever it might be. And the product really is just a means to an end. Um, I was getting, when I was getting ready for today, I, I saw an advert that I thought summed this up brilliantly, um, so why don't we watch it together? I was your classic busy mom. Husband and I both worked. Babysitter bailed. Three kids. Oh, careful. You know, busy. But it was the little things that really drove me to the edge. Laundry that piled up. Garbage not getting taken out. And apparently everyone in my family thought that light bulbs just changed themselves. Anyway, one day I was making BLTs for lunch when I said, Honey, can you change the light bulb? The next day, I was making bacon for the salad, and I said, Can you set the tape? It was like, oh. Change your life with bacon. Honey, could you mow the... Must be quite some bacon, mustn't it? You know, what the mum wants is for her life to be transformed. 
What she wants is for her children and her husband to start helping around the house. And the promise is, if you want to change your life, buy this bacon. You know, and the message that we get from so many adverts can essentially be boiled down to the same thing. You should buy this product. Whatever it is, whether it's a, a new TV, or, or whether it's a brand of deodorant, or whether it's a new car, or a holiday, or you know, a brand of bacon. You should buy this product in order to make your life better. In order to experience something that you don't have. In order to become someone that you don't feel you are. That's the invitation that we're, we're offered with, with so many adverts. And, and for those of you who've been, been coming along regularly, you'll know that we're in the middle of a series at the moment called By Royal Invitation. And this morning, I want to look at an invitation that Jesus gives us where he, he makes a, a similar kind of promise. He says, if you do this, then I'll make you into this. He says, if you do this, I'll make you into something or someone that you don't feel you already are. So, so just as when um, an advert invites us to buy a particular product, it does so on the basis of the difference that that product will make in our lives. So Jesus, when he makes this invitation, he is upfront with us about the difference that it will make for those who accept his invitation. And when he offers this invitation, Jesus says, I want you to follow me. And when you follow me, I'm going to make you into something that you're not. And why don't we just stop and pause for a moment. How would you expect Jesus to finish that sentence? We'd probably expect Jesus to say something like, follow me and I will make you more spiritual. Follow me and I will make you more disciplined. Follow me and and I will make you more holy or make you a better husband or a better wife or a better parent. Follow me, and I promise, just like the adverts do, that I will make your life better. And yet when he first makes this invitation to four guys that he meets, he doesn't say anything like that. What he actually said completely confused them. It wasn't what they expected. In fact, it probably seemed a little bit scary. See, the thing is that when Jesus invited these these guys to follow him, just as he invites you and me, and each and every one of us here today. And when he invites us, we might like it if he said something like, come and follow me and I will make you more disciplined. I will make you a better person in some kind of way. I will make you healthier. I will make you richer. I will solve your problems. There are probably a lot of ways that we would like Jesus to finish that sentence. A lot of different things that we might like him to make us. But Jesus says, my invitation to you is that if you really follow me, I'm going to make you into something that you're not. It might not be what you're expecting. It might be a little bit scary, but this is my invitation. This is what I'll make you if you'll really follow me. Why don't we read what Jesus' invitation and his promise was to the four guys and, and how they responded to it. And maybe we'll see what we can learn from that about Jesus' invitation to us today. We're going to read from, from Mark's account of Jesus' life in Mark 1 verses 14 to 20. Uh, if you want to follow it along, you can do, but I'll read it out uh, so you can just listen too. Uh, this is what he writes. It says, after John was put in prison... 
Now, this is John the Baptist, not the John who, who followed Jesus, who we're going to read about in a moment. So after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So Jesus is in the town of Galilee and he is telling everybody good news. Don't you love the fact that wherever Jesus went, he always brought good news with him. And it's great. And then he says, as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Not sure why else they'd be casting a net into the lake, but, but there we go. And then he says, Jesus said to them, come, follow me, and I will make you become, what? I mean, he doesn't say more holy. He doesn't say more spiritual. He doesn't say a, a better person. He doesn't, does he? As you've said, he says, come follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. What do you think that Simon and his brother Andrew must have thought at, at that moment? I doubt they really knew what Jesus meant, do you? I imagine they were a little bit confused. And Jesus says to them, come follow me and I will make you something that you're not. I'm going to make you. You don't have to try and do it yourself. It's not going to happen overnight, but I will make you something that you're not. As you follow me, your life won't simply be about catching fish. It won't simply be about the day-to-day mundane jobs of life. Your life will be about catching people. And that's a pretty crazy invitation to give to a couple of guys who are tired the morning after just spending a night shift out fishing. So how do you think they'd respond? Well, it says in verse 18 that at once, that's immediately, they left their nets and followed him. And Mark goes on and he continues to tell the story saying, when Jesus had gone a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men, and followed him. You know, the response of Simon and Andrew and, and uh, uh, James and John, it must have seemed pretty irresponsible to the people who were watching, don't you think? The guys around the lake who were getting on about their business as, as, as James and John just jump out of the boat where his dad and his hired men are fixing the nets and just go off and follow Jesus. It must have seemed pretty strange, pretty crazy what was happening. You know, their dad owned this fishing business and, and he must have thought that one day he was going to retire and his sons would carry on the business after him. And then out of the blue, they say, you've got to go now, Dad. See you later. Going with a preacher. We've known him for about five and a half minutes, but we're pretty convinced that we're going to leave you. We're going to leave the family business. We're going to leave it all behind, and we're going to follow Jesus. On the surface, it seems pretty crazy, doesn't it? And then the amazing thing is that as we, as we read through the, the story of Jesus... We see that in a relatively short space of time, these four guys become just what Jesus promised they would. They become fishers of men. They become men who who not only heard the message of Jesus, but they began to share it in their own sphere of influence, through their own experiences and their own personality. And God used these four men to relay that message to the next generation. And this next generation of people then understood that it wasn't enough just to follow Jesus. 
but to follow men to fish. And in turn, those followers became fishers of men who shared it with another group of people who understood that to follow is to fish. And they shared it with other people who shared it with other people who shared it with the person sat next to you today. So that here we are halfway around the world, 2,000 years later, celebrating and living for and worshipping this guy called Jesus. Not because people just followed Jesus, but because a group of people understood that to follow meant to fish. That followers fish. Or because somehow, some way, somewhere, God put someone in your life to fish for you. To share about Jesus with you. And he put someone in my life to share about Jesus with me. So what we read, as we read on in this story, what we, we see is that Jesus accomplished in the lives of, of these four fishermen exactly what he promised. Even though at the time they probably had no idea what it was they were letting themselves in for. And it wasn't just these four people, was it? We see it's all kinds of different people who become fishers of men. You know, they're, they're, they weren't specially qualified. We, we see... Um, they were, they were just ordinary people who simply knew that to follow meant to fish. There was a tax collector who became a fisher of men. There were prostitutes who became fishers of men. There was a woman who'd been married five times and was living with another bloke who became a fisher of men. There was a, a guy who was full of demons and Jesus casts out the demons and he goes back into his hometown and he tells them all about what Jesus has done and he becomes a fisher of men. Now, all throughout the New Testament, what we discover is that there is a correlation between following Jesus and being fishers of men. And so when we think about the fact that Jesus has invited us to follow him, and so many of us here would call ourselves followers of Jesus, we realize that just as with Simon and Andrew and James and John, that Jesus has a purpose and he says, follow me and I will make you into something that you're not. Follow me and I will make you into fishers of men. His invitation isn't simply to follow, it's to fish. It's to share about who Jesus is and our experience of him and what he's done in our lives with others. And you know, sometimes I think we can hear that and everything within us recoils, doesn't it? We pull back and we think, hold on a minute, that's not what I signed up for. That sounds pretty scary. I'm not really good at that. That's not my area. It's not my kind of thing. And if that's how you feel this morning, then do you know what? I completely understand because so often I feel like that too. But let's remember what these guys were like. The guys that we're reading about, remember what they were like at the beginning. You know, it's, so often we think about them at, to later on in life and the great successes and all that they accomplished and we forget the journey that they went on first. We forget the fact that in the early days they made a lot of mistakes. They had a lot of learning experiences, should we say. You know, there were all kinds of different funny stories about how they made a mess of things. How they get carried away. And how Jesus keeps having to, to teach them and shape them and make them into the people that he's promised that they're going to become. 
You know, there, there's one time I'm sure a lot of you will be familiar with it when Jesus is, is teaching one day. And, and he's sat there teaching and, and, and they, they look around and all these children start to gather about. And they're like, oh no, children are noisy, they're disruptive, they're going to get in the way and distract people. People won't be able to hear what Jesus is saying. And so they set apart starting to shoo the children away. And then it says Jesus was indignant with them. Which is a nice way to say that he was ticked off with them, he was cross with them. He's saying, what do you think you're doing? I love the little children. Let them come to me. Go and get them. Bring them back. And so the disciples are like, sorry Jesus, messed up on that one. And off they go and and bring the children back again. You might remember there's another time when uh, the disciples are there and they're arguing with one another about who's the greatest. And the thing is, they're doing it all in front of Jesus. And and this is like a couple of ants arguing about who's the biggest in front of an elephant. They've completely missed the point. There's another time when they they try and cast out a demon and the demon won't budge. And when Jesus comes along, they, they, they ask him, why won't it go? And he says to them, did you pray? And they're like, uh... No, didn't, didn't think of that one, didn't pray. And Jesus tells them, you've got to pray. You know, throughout the whole story, what we see is these are a group of guys who just don't get it. These are a group of guys who, it's not easy for them. It doesn't come naturally to them. But by the end of the day, end of the story, we discover that we've got four fishermen and a couple of tax collectors and these other guys from all these different walks of life and different backgrounds, and they begin to get it. They become something that they're not. They're not just followers. They become fishers of men. And so it might be that we have more in common with these fishermen than we might sometimes like to admit. It might be that for us, the idea of of being a fisher of men, of sharing about Jesus with other people, is not something that comes easily. It's not something that is natural for us. It's not something we feel particularly comfortable with or particularly like the idea of. But the great thing is that, that just as with the dramatic change that we see in the lives of, of these guys as we look through the New Testament and we read their story, it's not about you having it all sorted out. It's not about you thinking you know how to do it. It's about letting God work in your life as you follow Jesus, to make you into a fisher of men. It's all about him and what he can do in your life. You know, because when Jesus called me to follow him, and when he called you to to follow him, do you know what? It wasn't just to make your life better. It wasn't just to make you a better person. It wasn't just to make you more disciplined or more holy or a better father or mother or anything like that. His purpose for you as you follow him is to be a fisher of men. It's to do in the life of others what someone did for you in order for you to be here sitting where you are today. And I bet the, you know, the interesting thing is I bet that none of you None of you, when you made that decision to decide that you were wanted to, to follow Jesus, when you made that decision that you wanted to become a Christian, thought you were signing up for that at the time, did you? 
Imagine that no one in this room became a Christian because they thought, what a great promise. I've become a Christian and I get to become a fisher of men. You know, the, the reason that, that most of us will have made the decision to follow Jesus will be because we were motivated by the same thing that we're motivated by when we go out and buy a product because of an advert. We're motivated by the desire to change our own life for the better. You know, maybe it was that you, you, you thought about eternity and you thought about heaven and, and hell and you decided that really you didn't want to spend eternity in hell and so you decided to become a Christian. Maybe you, you felt like you had this emptiness inside that you know you needed, you needed something to fill and so you reached out to Jesus and found that he met your need. Maybe you were struggling with addiction or struggling in your marriage, or struggling in any of a whole bunch of different areas of, of life. And you ran out of options of how you could fix it on your own. And so you reached out to Jesus and found what you were looking for. You know, in one way or another, we became followers of Jesus because we realized that we needed something from God. And it was only after we'd made that decision. Only after we, we, we realized that we needed something from God and made that decision to follow Jesus that suddenly we realized that Jesus had some things for us to do. And you know, the, one of the great things is that even though God has bigger plans for your life than you ever first realized, even though his own agenda and his own purpose for your life is so much bigger. As we come to Jesus with our needs, and as we come to God with our requests, he is so patient. He answers our prayers. He meets us where we're at. He helps us where we need him to. He lifts us up, he interacts with us on a, on a daily basis. All because he loves us. And so we're able to, to come together like we have this morning on a day like today and come together and say, wow, God is so faithful. He's so real. He, he met me in this need. He provided for me in this way. He cared for me like this. He gave me peace in the midst of these difficulties. Isn't it wonderful to know and follow Jesus? If you're here today and you, you don't know Jesus, I'll, I'll let you in on a secret. Now, those of us who are here today who follow Jesus, do you know what? We like being Christians. We like following Jesus. Now, it's great to live life with Jesus. And we started following Jesus not because we wanted to become fishers of men, but because of what he did for us, because of the difference that he made in our lives, because of what it is that he's promised us for the future and how he's met our area of greatest need and how he goes on meeting our area of greatest need day after day after day because of his love for us. And you know, I think as we, as we look at the story of James and John and Simon and Andrew, we see that actually it was the same for them. They started following Jesus for just the same reasons. 
Now, as we read, read Mark's version earlier on of the story, it seems strange and irresponsible and crazy that they would just abandon their, their fishing business and their dad and their nets and what they were doing and just go off and follow Jesus, didn't it? But the great thing is that Luke's account of the story gives us a little bit more detail. And Luke tells us that this whole event, that everything that's happened, that this invitation that Jesus comes to them with to follow him, and then they'll become fishers of men, it comes not only after a night when they've been out fishing all night and they've caught nothing, but then Jesus comes along in the middle of the day and he says to them, take me out in the boat and fish. And they look at him and they must think, you're a carpenter. What on earth do you know about fishing? You're meant to fish in the night. So if we've fished all night and we haven't caught anything, we're definitely not going to catch anything now. It's the middle of the day. But Jesus insists. And so they take him out reluctantly. And they get the shock of their lives. They catch so many fish that the boat that they've taken out isn't even able to bring them into shore. And so John has to get his boat and come out and help them. So they've got the two boats there pulling this huge net of fish into shore. And they get to shore and it says there are more fish than they can even count. And it's straight after this that Jesus turns to them and he says to them, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And in that moment, what are they going to say? Nah, it's okay. We'll stay here and clean all these fish, thanks. Of course they're not, are they? If you've just seen someone do something amazing, experience them at work in your life in this kind of a way, and you have this opportunity to spend more time with them, what option are you going to pick? Of course you're going to say, yes, we'll follow you. And their dads would probably have been there saying, go, go follow this guy. I have no idea what it means to be a fisher of men, but he just filled our boats with fish. Go follow him. It's unbelievable. How could he do that? Go follow him. And they didn't start to follow Jesus then because they wanted to be fishers of men and they thought this was some great grand thing that they'd like to do and they had the right abilities for. Now, just like we did, they made the decision to follow Jesus because of what he'd done in their lives, because of the difference that he made to them, because of what it is that he'd ex- they'd experienced in Jesus. And Jesus says, okay, that's a good start. But you need to know that if you follow me, I'm going to make you into something that you're not. Because followers become fishers. Following may start from a motivation of bless me, forgive me, provide for me, care for me, protect me, and all of that kind of thing that essentially boils down to make my life better. And Jesus says, I love you. So I'll meet you in your need. I'll take care of you. You can trust me. But you need to know. You need to know that as you follow me, my desire is to take all of these areas of your life, all of these areas that you're concerned about, everything that you do, and to shape them and mold them in some way so that you are perfectly positioned because of who you are and what you've been through and what you've experienced to impact another person's life and their faith. Jesus wants to take what you've been through, your highs and lows, your successes and failures, your job, your relationships, your finances, and his desire is to give them all eternal value. So they matter not just for now and for making you have a better life, but to give them eternal value by working through all of it 
to shape you and form you and position you in someone else's life so that you can be an effective fisher of men. Because followers eventually fish if they're really following. It might be that you're sat there then thinking, well, that's easy for you to say. And do you know what I think? Bar a few exceptions, nearly all of us feel like other people are better equipped than we are to share about Jesus. We look at other people and maybe we think, well, they know more than I do. They've got more experience than I've had. They've got this amazing story of what God has done in their life that they can share with people. I don't have any of that. Maybe some of you feel like you're too young or you're too old or one of a hundred different things. But do you know what? To be honest, I think that for most of us, we look at ourselves and we see, how can I, how can I go out and, and do that? How can I be a fisher of men? I'm no good at sharing about my faith. That's not something I feel confident in. That's not something that I've gifted in. That's not something I'm experienced in. And yet that's exactly what Jesus invites us to when he says, come, follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. Do you know, I think the words that I hold on to when I'm feeling like I'm no good for that are those simple words, I will make you. It's a great statement, I will make you. In other words, you're not going to understand everything. You're not going to get everything right. You're going to have to learn. You're going to have to grow. You're not there yet. There's going to be a process. But his promise is that as you follow me, as you trust in me, as you let me work in your life, I will make you a fisher of men. This isn't about standing on street corners or going up to strangers or knocking on doors or any of the other kind of methods that are going to make you run a mile. Jesus is simply saying, if you trust me, if you follow me, then I want to leverage all the different things in your life for the sake of something that matters for eternity. You are perfectly positioned in your job, perfectly positioned in your school, perfectly positioned in your family, on your street, to be a fisher of men. And there are people who you know There are people who you rub shoulders with. There are people who will listen to you that would never listen to me. Their walls would go up as soon as they heard that I was a pastor. There are people in your life that you can impact that the person on your right or your left could never impact. So whether you realize it or not, you have been and will continue to be perfectly positioned by God because of who you are and the experiences that you've had to be the person that God wants you to be and to be the person that God wants to use as a fisher of men in somebody's life. And if if we don't think in those kind of terms, if we allow ourselves to, to forget and we don't look for those kind of opportunities, then the sad thing is that we will miss them. And we will end up spending our whole Christian life and it will simply be about doing good things and being better people. And God is saying, I want so much more than that for you. 
I want to leverage who you are for the sake of something that matters for eternity. I want to leverage who you are and what you've been through for the sake of someone else. And the only way that we will realize that is when we start to realize that God has a great purpose for each and every one of us. When we realize that followers fish. And that part of God's great invitation to you is as you follow me, I will make you a fisher of men. If, um, if you're not a Christian here today, then you're probably sat there thinking, this is exactly why I don't want to be around Christians. But if you are here today and you don't know Jesus and you're wondering why is it that Christians always bang on about needing to tell other people and other people coming to know Jesus and talking about things like fishing. Here's the thing. Do you know, today you are surrounded by people who are just like you. But they are people who have found the answer to the question, what will actually follow through on making my life better? And it's not anything that you've ever seen in an advert. It's not the bacon. It's a person called Jesus. And you see, everyone here knows, everyone here who knows Jesus, do you know what? They're glad that somebody fished for them. They're glad that somebody shared about Jesus with them. We like following Jesus. We love having him involved in our life. We love the difference that he makes and how he helps us. And because of that, how can we not want to share that opportunity with those who don't know him? So if you don't know Jesus this morning, then I want to give you that opportunity. You know, Jesus makes the same invitation to you today as he, as he made to the four fishermen that we've been reading about. You know, he says, come follow me. And you will experience me and see me do amazing things in your life. In you, through you, and around you. But you need to know that along the way, I will make you fishers of men. And if you want to find out more about who Jesus is, if you want to find out more about what it means to follow him, then come and have a chat to me afterwards, and I would, I'd love to talk to you. Or come and talk to the guys who will be down here at the front at, at the end of the service. You know, for those of you, though, who are regulars here, you'll know that we have a statement that sums up our purpose as a church. And um, if we can pop it up on the screen, that would be great. Um, Why don't we say it together? We exist to see God's love transform lives as we follow him. Isn't that just another way of Jesus saying, come follow me, and I will make you fishers of men? It's the purpose that God has for us as individuals. It's the purpose that God has for us together as a church. And we want to see God at work transforming lives. Making people's lives better. Not just for a moment in this life, but for eternity. So I want to encourage you this week to have your eyes open to the purpose God has for you. Eyes open to the opportunities that are around you and where God has placed you in the positions that you are. And just to come to God every day and to, to say to God, God, here I am. You know all of my strengths, all of my weaknesses, all my successes, all my failures. You know all my fears, all my doubts. 
But you have said, as I follow you, you're going to make me into a fisher of men. So here I am. Work in my life. Show me the opportunities that are out there. I'm going to trust you. Use my unique experiences. Use my personality. Use who I am to impact someone else's life. And to draw them to you. We've also got some, some bookmarks at the, at the back of the hall. Some of you will have seen them before. But I want to encourage you to either to pull out the ones that you've got or to go and pick up a new one and to ask God to highlight some people that he has put in your life that you can be praying for, that you can be looking for opportunities to speak to and to invite along to the different things that we do together as a church so that we can fish together. We don't have to do it alone. But you know, when, as I was thinking about this, when I was thinking of these four fishermen, and it's not in these verses, but when I think about these four fishermen who Jesus invited to follow him, and we see the, the mistakes that they've made, and we see how they, they learn and how they grow. We see how they follow Jesus, and, and they become these fishers of men. But you know the turning point in their lives? When they're transformed from being these fishermen who just bumble along and make mistakes and are timid and are, and are scared and make decisions about what's best for them and how their life can be better. The, the, the turning point in their lives when they become bold and courageous fishers. It's on the day of Pentecost when God sends his Spirit upon them and their hearts are set on fire with a passion and a love for Jesus and a passion and a love for people who don't know him and it leads to a lifetime of boldly sharing about Jesus and this morning I believe that God is inviting us He's reminding us who it is that he's calling us to be. And he's inviting us to come and to receive what we need more than anything else. Which is an encounter with him through the power of his Holy Spirit. That sets our hearts on fire for him. In that same way that it did for these four fishermen. And it may be that like the, the four fishermen, what we've heard about today is not something that we particularly uh, relish the idea of. And it's not something that comes naturally. But God is saying, my promise to you is that you don't have to try and make yourself into something. My promise to you is that I will make you fishers of men. Your job is simply to follow. Your job is simply to trust. Your job is simply to obey. And I will pour out my spirit upon you. I will make you fishers of men. So this morning I think God is inviting us and wanting to give us an opportunity to receive his spirit in a new way. To be empowered, not just to make our lives better, but empowered for a purpose. And it's up to us how we respond to that invitation. An invitation, you can RSVP either way. But God is inviting you today to receive his spirit with that openness that says, I will follow, I will obey, I will trust. I'll leave it to you to to do the transforming work to make me into a fisher of men, but I'll look for the opportunities. I'll have my eyes open. I'll make myself available. 
I'll trust you. I'll follow.